This first episode of 2024 is a validation of all the Backup to Basics episodes we've been doing because our most popular episode from 2023 was a basics episode on what you need to back up. You can't get much more basic than that. This episode is a rebroadcast of that and is dedicated to what we now call traditional backup sources, servers, VMs, desktops, laptops, and of course, mobile devices. We talk about which of them need to be backed up and why, along with the logic that I use when deciding whether or not to back up a particular device. Enjoy the new year, kick back, and enjoy this rebroadcast of our most popular episode of last year. For those that don't know me, I'm W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I've been deep in backup for over three decades. This podcast turns backup admins into cyber recovery heroes. This is the Backup Wrap-Up. Welcome to the Backup Wrap-Up. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, and I have with me a guy whose only relationship to the Silicon Valley Bank is that he used to get coffee there, uh, Persona Maliandi. <laughs> How's it going, Persona? Ah, I'm good, Curtis. Yeah, um, I when all the news broke about Silicon Valley Bank, I was like, wait, that name sounds so familiar. I bet I know where they are. So in one of my prior employments, uh, we were just down the street from them, and in their headquarter location in Santa Clara, it's very interesting because in the center of it, there's like this coffee shop and it's right. a standalone coffee shop and they're only open during some hours. So some of us would walk down there, have coffee and come back. And so when I heard the news about Silicon Valley Bank, I'm like, wait, that sounds very familiar. I went and like Google mapped it and looked it up and I was like, wait, I've been there. I've seen the people <laughs> walking around in there having coffee. I probably had coffee with similar people, right? Some of the employees right. of Silicon Valley Bank. And so I was and like, wow, maybe, that's, you had, uh, maybe you had coffee with the people that are now standing in line at SVB. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> now, I know <laughs> because but I'm guessing, though, that a lot of their stuff was either online or over the phone. Like how often and here's a question for you. How often do you actually go to a physical bank? When was the last time you went to a bank? I, well, I don't. But all I see on the news is are lines of people lines. at SVP, you know, yeah. and they're going and it's like and it's like founder after founder. Right. It's like the CEO and they're like, yeah, I'm trying to get my money out, you know, which is um, a little odd in this day and age of digital. And even the fact that these are probably like startup founders right in tech and they're like, we're going to go old fashioned and stand in line. Well, yeah. Well, the problem is digital doesn't work right in the yeah. current scenario. Digital doesn't work. So you go up and basically your choices are a wire transfer. Um, cashier check or a giant pile of cash. Um, I, I don't know if the that giant pile awesome. of cash is actually. Can you can you imagine that? Yes, I have a well, one million dollar bill. I don't think. <laughs> well, and surely you can't walk out with a giant pile of cash. I bet you. Well, it. I don't think you can walk out that same day because it depends on how much cash they have on hand. And right. I don't know if banks actually keep that much cash on hand. But if you made such a large withdrawal, I'm sure if you that was called a day or two ahead. Yeah, Can you imagine walking out with like $10 million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a problem. Uh, or that was the problem in the in the first place, right? Is a whole bunch of people asking for their money when uh, it's funny. I just got I just got a notification inside. Whoop, 
inside SVB's collapse. That was that's mm. the New York Times notification I just got. <laughs> Uh, may you live in interesting times, the old uh, yeah. Chinese uh, proverb. So in our continued uh, back up to basics series, um, we are continuing to work through uh, my current favorite book, uh, which is Modern Data Protection, my latest from O'Reilly, which, um, uh you know, it, it's my fourth book, and um, we'll see. We'll see if I got a fifth one in me. Uh, there, there certainly is a topic floating around that's been very popular <laughs> lately. But uh, this chapter, bank collapses. What's that? Yeah, bank collapses. Um, <laughs> how not to have a run on the bank? <laughs> you know, it's funny. The whole banking system is really built on sort of trust. In that. Mm-hmm. Any bank can fail the way SVB did if enough people come up and say they all want their money at oh, once, yeah. right? Because every bank yeah. invests for the long term, and right? <clears throat> but um, but anyway, um, I don't want to talk about SVB. So, um, by the way, we'll throw out our usual disclaimer. Uh, Bersana and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. And uh, this is not a podcast of either company. And um, the uh, the opinions that you hear are ours. So the and also please uh, please rate us. Uh, go to your favorite uh, podcatcher, scroll down to where you can give us stars and and tell us how wonderful you think we are. <laughs> and um, um, and the, if you uh, want to watch us on video, go to Backup Central because we do post right. videos of all the episodes. So that's right. On bad if you want to see our lovely faces. <laughs> yeah, you can actually see what we look like. Um, and uh, I wonder if the my, if if our viewers or listeners will have the same reaction with you as my family did. Remember when they first saw what you looked like? They were like, <laughs> "He doesn't," because <laughs> they'd heard your voice so much. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then they saw you, and they're like, "Oh, he didn't. He he didn't match up to what I thought he was going to look like." <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they weren't expecting that beard. Definitely high expectations. Yeah, high expectations. Uh, but anyway, so this week we're going to talk about um, you know the book tries to cover all of basically all the things you need to back up, all the ways that you can back up, all the whys you need to back up, and uh, and and all the wheres. Right. So where where you might want to back up and the hows. Uh, and in the beginning here, we're talking about the what's. And uh, right now, the chapter is about traditional data sources, some of which we still argue over whether or not they need to be backed up. <laughs> and I will, of course... Mainframes. Yeah, I will, of course, say that I stand firmly on the ground of back up all the things. So you're not yeah. going to hear it from me. Uh, there, there will be uh, there are some some exceptions that I discuss in this chapter, uh, and we'll talk about them. But the first section uh, is about physical servers. Um, you what know. are those? Do you think people actually what know are, what physical servers are these days? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I was just on a call yesterday with a Druva customer or potential a Druva uh, a prospect prospect and they were discussing uh, they had a number of physical servers in their data center even though they were mostly virtualized so yeah 
you know, do you, do you see it? I mean, do you, well, I'm just wondering as everyone's talking about cloud and compute lists, right. Functions running, do people even know like where, like uh, what a physical server even is anymore? Right. Or is it sort of, and this is probably more like the people currently entering the workforce more than sort of people who've been in the industry for a while. Right. Cause I'm sure most well, people haven't physically touched hardware, you know, yeah, in a, a long time. Of, yeah. Well, it just depends on what, what generation and by generation, yeah. I don't mean people, I mean like the generation of, of the company, right. Yeah. There are definitely companies like Druva where our entire, you know, we, we have a lot of compute, right. And we have a lot of things that we do as a company, right. Um, you know, with thousands of customers and, and, you know, thousand plus employees. Uh, obviously, we have a need of a lot of stuff, but I, I don't know. I, I think we have a computer, like a server. <laughs> and I don't know what it does because I, I actually saw a server room at some point, but it was just really small. And I don't actually don't. I think you know what it is. I think it's um, the only thing we have is actually it's lab equipment. It's yeah, it's stuff. It's stuff pretending to be servers so that we can. Uh, you know, back that stuff up, Do other uh, stuff. you know, and yeah. demo and stuff like that. But all our, our whole infrastructure is up in the cloud somewhere. And I think there's a lot of companies that are like that. But for those of us that have worked at companies and continue to work at companies where there's just some servers that for one reason or another, they don't virtualize them. Maybe they're yeah. not, um, maybe they're not virtualizable, if I can make up a word. Yeah. Um, well, either probably due to either hardware specs or even just the fact that moving this to the cloud doesn't make sense for this application because there are too many other dependencies or it's just risk, right? Every time you're migrating or moving a workload, right, there is risk involved. And sometimes it's like, nope, we can't touch that or we don't want to touch that. And speaking of risk, uh, I'll spell it with a C. Uh, if you're using the risk architecture with a C. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the the sun architecture. I still, I still call it sun. Um, it would be Oracle now, but you know, if you're using any of the older Unixes, right. Uh, the uh, IBM still is still, theirs is still going strong. The, yeah. the, um, AIX, right. That's still yeah. actively developed and released. HP's kind of dead. Is Solaris still developed? I think uh, it is. I think it might I be. I think it is. Well, I <laughs> Well, and I just um, go back to the, so my dad, way back when, he used to work at Tandem Computers. I don't know if you remember that name, but they used to build like nonstop kernels. And so these yeah. super high availability systems used in government agencies, and those are still kicking around because no one yeah. wants to touch them. No one wants to upgrade them. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a variety of these, some of which are still in production, meaning meaning production, meaning they're still being made. Most of them are defunct. Uh, but they're still running, right? Uh, with an uptime of 1,700 days or whatever <laughs> the way Linux used to be. Uh, there, there's sort of two, there's three different types of backups I talk about here. The standard backup, just a file system backup. Uh, and then there's a bare metal backup. Now, you said you said something on the pre-call. You said you haven't really seen that. Not that I've seen that. I think most folks, at least the newer generation, they don't like I've always thought, okay, when I was 
So speaking personally, right? So right. when I had my PC in college, right, what I would do is, okay, I'd back up my data. And then when it came to sort of the OS and everything else, I literally would like start from scratch, right? right. Every single right. time, just sort of, okay. Because for me, right, I didn't trust like all the programs that were there or things that might have changed. So I'm like, I'll just start from a clean slate. And I had it down to a science. Like I would literally reinstall my entire system like once every three months. <laughs> Yeah, right, from was, that a, was that a Windows if, system? Yeah, yeah. That's I. I didn't do it every three months, <laughs> but when I had Windows, I I did that a lot. I did the whole sort of yeah. refresh thing. But when when you're looking at a more complicated architecture, uh, there are a lot of reasons to uh, basically back up the operating system itself, right? And when you're doing that, you're not just backing up all the files in the operating system, you're potentially backing up basically the the blocks that make up the, you know, the boot block and all of that kind of stuff. Um, th there, there's a couple of different ways to do that. And the idea is that if the hardware itself died, right, um, or you bought new hardware, if you if you just bought new hardware, as long as the, the OS was, uh, you know, plug and play from a, from a new hardware perspective, yeah. yeah you could just literally restore the old S, the old OS to the new hardware <laughs> and it would just it would just run right yeah. and honestly it it worked pretty well um, you know and there are there continue to be backup software products that still work in that way right um, yeah. the the thing is that it's gone by the wayside because of virtualization yeah the one question i wanted to ask though is I don't think people understand, just going back to one comment you made, the complexities, right? Can mm -hmm. you sort of walk through, and I know sometimes we talk about like bare metal backups, and then right. I know we'll eventually talk about restores, but it's really the restore I'm more interested in, right? Without bare metal backups, like how complex does restore get? And like, what are the benefits of doing a bare metal backup from a restore or recovery? Yeah, well, again, outside of the virtualization world, you basically have yeah. two choices. Well, you have three choices. You have the one that you described, which really doesn't work in the data center, right? You, you, you have to, <laughs> yeah. you have to like reload the OS, reload all the applications, and then do all the configuration that you may have done to the OS and all the applications. Um, you could potentially restore a bunch of files if you were really good at it and knew exactly what you needed to restore to put all that configuration back in place. Um, the second and probably more common was the idea of maintaining an image, right? You're going to maintain mm -hmm. a Solaris image and an AIX image and a, you know, a Linux image. And then you just, you lay down that image and that image isn't just the OS. It's the OS configured the way you want it configured in your environment. So you would yeah. lay down that image and then you do a handful of customizations like host name and that kind of stuff. Uh, and mm -hmm. then it'd be off and running. And then the third would be you literally back up all of the bytes and blocks uh, that, you know, comprise for that a operating system machine. for each specific machine. And then mm -hmm. what you need is you need to boot a mini root. Uh, basically, you, you know, you, you need to, because you need to restore to a drive that you're not currently using. So you boot a mini root, <laughs> um, basically, you know, sometimes, Different OSs work differently, but like with Windows, you could restore a really basic uh, mini root and then you'd boot into that and then you'd do the restore of the drive. 
mm-hmm. it gets really complicated. Um, <laughs> but but the idea is that, um, and and it's one of the reasons why I think that it it went by the wayside, and the fact that virtualization came out. But um, it's really complicated. Um, yeah. But um, I don't think yeah. I want to do that ever. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, um, but you know what? Uh, Time Machine is a bare metal backup. Yeah. Right. Because it puts back everything. Um, you know, it puts back the state. whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I had under physical service was backing up NAS. There was a mm-hmm. time. Uh, shout out to Stephen Manley, Drew CTO. There was a time. <laughs> When I was a big fan of NDMP, the network uh, network data management protocol, protocol. which was yep. the only way, because I didn't like backing up NAS servers via NFS and SMB because you're competing for the u- you're competing with the users for the resources of the machine. Resources. Yeah, and then with NDMP, it, it could deprioritize the backup, uh, you know, under the priority mm-hmm. of the users, but. Uh, you know, without going into it too much, there there were w- there are a lot of problems with NDMP. The the chief of them being that it's platform dependent, meaning yep. that if you back up a NetApp, that backup only works on a NetApp. Um, for and, some vendors, I would say, for some backup vendors, not all have that limitation. I think I'm going to have to argue with you mm-hmm. because the format comes from the platform. So if if I recall, mm-hmm. yes, it does come from the platform, but there are some products which can reverse engineer and actually write okay. out to a different target. Okay. All right. So there are yes. some backup products that, that basically extrapolate some. Yeah, very few, but it can't <clears throat> export out and restore everything back perfectly. Because like you said, if one vendor supports some attributes, because each vendor is unique, right? right. Another right. vendor, you may not be able to get that same access. So it will yeah. try. It'll at least get you back your data, but it's not guaranteed all the metadata associated with it matches or ACLs. And exactly. Other things like that. So what most people do is they they mount the NAS device uh, to some kind of proxy and they back it up that way. Um, mm-hmm. So and you know and honestly, it, especially if you've gone to an incremental forever approach, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Back in the day when we were doing a, a mixture of full and incrementals, full. maybe you're having a bigger impact on yeah. the filer. Um, but um, all right, the next we have is virtual servers. Uh, so the world of virtualization, <laughs> the likes of VMware, Hyper-V, uh, AHV, KVM, all of these things. And uh, I'm going to wax uh, historical here. Back in the day, <laughs> the only thing we could do was VM level backup. Basically, you put an agent in the VM, you backed up the VM just like it was a virtual machine. And it was a horrible, if any of you are still out there doing this. Sorry, can you restate that? What? You said you put an agent in the VM and you uh-huh. back up the VM the... as if it were a physical machine. Oh, sorry. I thought you said virtual machine. Sorry. My bad. No, as if it were I a physical heard. machine. Yeah. Well, maybe at least that's what I thought I said. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, and if you're still doing fulls and incrementals in VMs, stop. Right. It's just, I don't know why anyone would, st- it was horrible from a, architecture standpoint it beat the crap out of the virtualization box right um did you did you deal with that anywhere where you worked yep i did so one of my former employers uh was very big on vmware 
backups. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And luckily they were smart enough to not do that, <laughs> right. To do sort right. of throw an agent into a VM and back it up like a physical server. And so at least when I joined, I wasn't there as part of the initial wave towards figuring out how to back up VMware. By the time I was right. there, they were already doing smarter things, which you'll talk about in a second right. for backing right. up VMs. Because yeah, yeah, whenever I thought about it, I'm like, why would you ever back it up like a normal physical server? That makes well, no sense. You're because losing back all then the we benefits. Had, we well, we had no choice, right? Yeah. Um, virtualization broke back up overnight, uh, yeah. and we. Would you no like choice. to talk about? That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, you know, we had to do things like spread the fools out across the month, spread the the cumulative incrementals out across the week, and then do a nightly incremental. Um, yeah, because just going back to the what you were talking about of sort of like the NAS and the NDMP case, right? With VMware, it's a lot worse because if you're backing up one VM, you could potentially impact all of the other virtual machines running on that same ESX host, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> if you if you don't spread the load out, because the full backup is quite is quite a a, a knock on a on a VM, right? So if yeah. you're if you're doing a bunch of full backups at the same time on the same physical server, you're you know it's not going to be good. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a little traffic jam. Um, and then um, we started getting this like, this idea of specialized backups for hypervisors, right? So that you could back up at the hypervisor level, right? At the VMware level, at the, you know, Hyper-V level. And you could back up the, the VMs as files. Um, there is one crucial piece of technology that is required for that to work with Windows. Do you know what that piece of technology would be? VSS? Yes, VSS. (laughs) So that is Windows Volume Shadow Services. You want to talk about that? Yeah, so think of it like Microsoft's snapshotting technology, right? Which it pretty much is. It's just not the normal way that you would think about designing snapshots, right? right? Um, in how once you take a snapshot, data sort of gets split differently and merging them back together is a little odd. It's not like what you would think when you think about like hardware snapshots. And so there are a lot of implications with using VSS snapshots. I would say the one that I commonly ran across was when they designed the VSS protocol, you basically had to complete a snapshot within a certain amount of time. Right. And depending on the system, right? Because depending on also like how many layers, if it was a software snapshot or a hardware-based snapshot, right? It could take more than that amount of time, which means that your snapshots start failing. And as backup, right, you want to take a snapshot first so you have a stable point in time before you do your backup. You now started to get backup failures, which were painful. Right, right. Yeah, they were. Uh, but basically, what what it allowed us to do in the in the the thing about VSS is that it could be it had APIs so that you could call yeah. those APIs. And so VMware and Hyper V and these other virtualization products, they could call that API and say, "Hey, make a snapshot," and then we're going to back up that snapshot. Right. So you can back up the the VM externally and. Um, uh, while still getting a stable, consistent image. Uh, that yeah. was the whole point of VSS. Is Kofi going to be okay? I'm very concerned for Kofi. Yeah. Okay, come here. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, come, come, come here. 
Now he's I fine. Could, I, I could hear him down there. I was like, poor, please get poor old Colfie. Um, he sounded so sad. Uh, but yeah, that, so that's basically, you know, if you're backing up virtualization, you know, or, or virtualized servers, you need to back them up in the way that that platform intended to likes, be. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and you need, you still, I think you need to be doing incremental forever approaches, deduplication approaches, so that you minimize the impact on the physical server that's hosting yeah. all that, uh, all those VMs. Any other I have a question for, for you. Yeah, sure. Was VSS the first time you've heard of a vendor enabling backups to be better? I know we talked about NDMP, but from like a operating system software side of the house? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, no, because I've been around a while. The, 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 I, that's the why I was asking. <laughs> the, oddly, the, the one that actually jumps out at me was makes this be from AIX. What makes this be was, we go back to bare metal backup, makes this be was mm -hmm. time machine for AIX, right? So it was a, a complete backup of the operating system and everything on it to a tape, which if you had the tape drive and the tape and you had a completely brand new server, you could restore that makes a speed directly to the OS and restore it. Yeah, I, I can think of that. I can think of that. Um, but this was the one, this was one that was, this was, useful for a for lot of other purposes, right? Yeah. For orchestration. Yeah. Uh, and it also works with applications because not only does it take a snapshot of the operating system, it takes a snapshot of any VSS compliant uh, applications, yep. right? So obviously all of the Microsoft apps, but Oracle is VSS compliant as well. Uh, and other uh, databases that might run on yeah. Windows. Which yeah. is what you want because you want those applications to be consistent when you take a exactly. snapshot. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Otherwise, you're backing up a file that's changing as you're backing it up, and that's no good. Yeah. So the next we have is desktops and laptops. Um, and this is this is what I was referring to earlier when I was saying that we're going to argue over whether or not you and I, but, you know, whether or not these need to be backed up. Um, and I, I come down strongly on the backup all the things. Yeah. Um, what do you... What, what, have you run into people talking about backing up their laptops out there? I I have. I think what you end up seeing is a lot of people are like, why would I need to back it up? Especially when you're using all these SaaS services like Microsoft 365, Google Workspaces, right? How much in, I get the point because it's like how much data actually sits on your laptop these days. However, there are scenarios like you're offline for some reason, like right now in California, we just got hit with an atmospheric river. There's a bunch of power outages in the area, right? Which means yeah. no internet connectivity. If you have to work or if you're doing offline editing, that's great. But that data is sitting on your laptop, right? Yeah. And so if that's important, you need to make sure you back it up, right? One of the things you go back to, Curtis, it's like, if it's important to you, back it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the funny thing is that... Um, well, yeah, so that's really what comes down to is, do you ever create data on your laptop that only sits on your laptop or, and by the way, um, 
the next thing we're going to talk about is mobile devices. Um, and if you do, so I do, right? I make this yep. podcast um, and, uh, and I write. So um, I, um, there is, although, and I write by voice, uh, you know, dictation. So for a brief period of time, all of the words of a particular chapter are sitting on not just my laptop. It's funny, my laptop here over to my right here is my Windows laptop that I use just for voice dictation because Dragon, uh, for some reason, decided to give up the uh, the Macintosh market. Mac. Um, but I've never, I haven't said the full word Macintosh in a Macintosh. I don't know why I said that. Um, but... Um, yeah, so for, for a brief period of time, any given chapter is sitting only on that device, and it would suck if I if you, lost that chapter, right? Yeah. Um, there are people who create, and, and, I, and when I'm cr- producing these podcasts, right, as I'm producing the podcast, various pieces of that podcast exist only on this laptop. I don't use, so interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, I now use a sassy. It's not fully sass, but it is a sad. Now that I'm thinking about it, the Descript, which is the tool that I use to edit my podcast, which I love, right? I really do. Um, but the way it works is that as soon as you, you load, load files, as soon as you load the source files into Descript, they're immediately uploaded to the cloud. Right, you work on a local copy, um, but it but it's it's immediately synchronizing uh, both the source files as well as all of your edits to the cloud, so that um, uh, and then it's um, and it's maintaining a cache of that locally. Yeah, Um, and so it's it's kind of sassy. but that's about the question. Like if, you have, is, just, if you have a product yeah. like that, then maybe maybe you don't have to. If that's the only thing you have, you might but, have to back up. But the question is, do they back up the stuff on their site? That is I a really good question, right? Constant yeah. questions about SaaS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, which is why I do what I do, which is like I have a local copy of all of the pieces that go into the podcast. Um, I don't have because I don't have a copy. And of the you also have the raw too. I have the. But you raw, also have the raw stuff. Is I have the yeah. raw so stuff. It just take you a long time to recover if you had to. It would. That. Yeah, I would have to kind of re-edit an episode if I had to do that. Yeah. Um. But um. But well, if so, first off a number of things would have to happen, right? So the, <laughs> yeah. the, the SaaS service would have to go down Your and I would to need to edit a past episode, which yeah. I almost have never done, right? Yeah. If I do, it happens within a day or two. It happened this week, oddly enough, uh, because I was editing. I was editing late at night and I messed up the intro. For those of you that are listeners, you heard a weird intro. You heard the music didn't match. It was weird. Uh, I figured that out as I was listening to it later and I was like, Oh, I got to fix it. So I had to go back and re-edit the mm. podcast, but that was five minutes worth of work 
you know, Monday. Because I was already I, there. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I fixed it. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I'm not going back and editing a podcast from two months ago. But anyway, this is, this or, is definitely an that, edge that, case. So, but the, yeah. Well, and yeah. I know you're talking about podcasts, but the other thing like I think a lot of people have is like their pictures. Like I have, I take pictures or I used to take pictures, right? And I don't use any SaaS service for editing, right? I don't use Lightroom in the cloud or iCloud photos or whatever else, right? I do everything on my laptop. And so those pictures, I never want to lose. So I back that stuff up four times. I'm a little crazy, but I have four copies sitting in various places. Yeah, uh, uh, we'll get to mobile devices next. Um, let me, but let me give let me give a scenario of one of where I said in the book where I said, okay, I'm going to concede the point on this one, and that is um, Chromebooks, mm. right? Chromebooks are nothing more than a cache for what's in Google, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's nothing that should ever be on the Chromebook other than just the late, most recent synchronized changes, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, you can use it offline and then synchronize changes, but honestly, if you were offline, you wouldn't be able to back it up anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but I would say that listeners should wait till we get to the chapter on SaaS services where we talk about what you need to do on that site. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> right. So it's not that you, it eliminates the need to worry about backups, right? The point it's is, just, it's the point you, is don't you don't need to back, back up your desktop. Exactly. The Chromebook. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about mobile devices, this one, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say that I, I am not compliant uh, in this regard, because I am trusting iCloud photos. And this is one of those things where I really have to look into this and I need to see if there, we can come up with a solution for this because the beauty of the way the iPhone works and the way iCloud photos mm -hmm. is that iCloud maintains the high res copy the master. Right. And then on my phone is like the low res copy. And I only get mm -hmm. the high res copy if I like actually start using a photo. I get it automatically. But there's no way that I can find yet um, to, to to get all of those high res photos out easily and store them someplace. Can hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, but but, but like this. But problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna submit this as a as a thing where I'm not doing the right thing, okay? Yep. Um, and I am trusting Apple far too much. Now I am paying for them. I am paying for them to store this data. So you know, but the data, the photos that matter to me are only in one place. <laughs> so bad, technically, bad. Technically, right? The high res versions of these photos are only in, and videos yep. are only in one place. Mainly, it would be the really cool videos of my granddaughter Lily that I would miss, right? Yeah. Um, but still, you should figure out how to at least pull that data down to a laptop, so then you can then yeah. I, I've I've looked into it. Laptop. I, I I've looked into it, and I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it here. But I've looked into it before, and 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 I think and then I got busy with other things. <laughs> um, but uh, and and I really do need to come up with it with a solution, and I need to bring um need to bring our friend uh, Daniel on uh, for that one. Yeah. But um, but. The, the the point that I want to make is that 
iCloud Photos being an exception here. If your device that you're holding is basically one of two copies, um, you know, you, that, that basically the cloud maintains a backup copy of your phone, you maintain a copy of your phone, and the and the cloud has the ability to. Here's a big. Here's a big if. If the cloud, if you go into your phone and you basically delete all your photos, is there any way to get those back in the cloud? Um, because that's mainly what we're talking about, right? It's photos. Yeah. Um, yep. and your email, you're basically you're just a cache of the um, yeah, right. I think um, messages work the same way as well, at least if you're using iMessage. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other, yeah, the other thing, well, yeah. Um, it, 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 gets, it gets more complicated when we start talking about consumer personal devices. If, if yeah. you're, if you're yep. a, a, a commercial user, you can, th- there are services, Druva backs up uh, mobile devices. It backs up the iPhone, right? Um but we can only back up, and by we, I mean any vendors that do this, we can only back up what the OS vendor allows us to back up, yeah. right? Uh, which on the iPhone means pretty much only Apple data whole sources. Lot. Yeah, like yeah. like um, like if there was a Descript on the iPhone, is there a Descript on the iPhone? <laughs> I don't know. If there was a Descript on the know. iPhone, like I couldn't back up its data because that's just the way it's a security yeah. feature. Yeah. And even WhatsApp is the same, right? You have to use WhatsApp's cloud backup right? where it'll sync the data to some data source you get, you tell it to, but you can't use it through a centralized place to back up everything on your iPhone. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Although I do wonder what happens when you do a physical backup using a lightning cable and iTunes. Are you talking, are you, are you back to photos? No, no, no. Just in general. Oh, right. So I can load iTunes, right? I can say back up my phone. Right. I think it does capture all that data though. So it does. It, it doesn't does, solve it does my photo it, problem though. No, it doesn't solve. Well, because my phone yeah, doesn't have does. the, the high res copies, right? Yeah. Yep. I would, Here's what I wish. I wish there was a cloud service that I could pay that would be able to export my high-res photos out of uh, iCloud and just back it up. I'd pay for that service, but they don't yeah. make it available. They don't make those mm. um, the high-res copies. I think I can sync them to my laptop, but then I, yeah, need, I, thought you- I need a lot of storage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have, I have no idea how many terabytes of photos I have up in iCloud. Um, I know for a fact that I would need a separate drive, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But but basically, so regarding mobile devices, my opinion is the same. If you're creating data on these devices that is important to you and it's only on that device or only in the cloud, uh, you should back up that data. Back it and up. Yes, I, I know... I know I need to listen to my own my own advice regarding the, <laughs> the photos. Um, but if this is corporate data, uh, you get you get no you get no grace, uh, right? Um, yeah. I can think of. I worked with an engineering company in St. Louis, um, 
and uh, they basically they would send people out into the field with iPads and they would take pictures mm-hmm. of jobs. Those, you know, those were photos that needed to be backed up. Those were corporate data that existed like only in those tablets and only in those accounts, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you would have to, well, anyway, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, but my point is if it's data that's being created and is, it exists only in one place, it needs to be backed up, right? And it's important to you. And it's important to you. Right. If it's data, that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just don't if know what data that, that data matter, is. Don't back it up. Yeah. Is there data that doesn't matter? Well, I was thinking, like, if you didn't care about, like, random pictures you're taking, or if you're taking, say, a picture of a document just for convenience sake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To send to someone. Right. Yeah. If you're only using it to send the you know, you take the picture and then you send it to the other person and they're the recipient of the picture, then that document yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is this concept, by the way, that I mentioned in here of mobile device management, which you really should think about. So if you're, so it's very common as I do, it's very common to use your personal cell phone at work, right? It's very common mm-hmm. for companies not to buy uh, mobile phones anymore, right? Devices. But if um, if you are concerned about the security implications of that, that's what mobile device management is for, right? Yeah, yeah. Cr- and it's corporate data, right? You want to make sure that right. if something happens to the phone, like it's lost or whatever else, right. you could protect your corporate data and remote wipe the device, mm-hmm. etc. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it also it also creates like a like almost. I don't know. It's like a virtual, it's like a VPC, you know, yeah. uh, inside it's a the phone, a sandbox. Thing. That's yeah. a better, that's a better term. It creates a sandbox in the phone where you can put corporate apps. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you can make your own rules. Um, back up all the things. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pull, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the last page in the chapter. Cause I've, I've got final thoughts in the chapter and I wonder what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think it yeah, is really, and here's the thing. I know we talked about if it's important, back it up. I think the flip side is if you don't know what data is important or not, back up everything. Right. Exactly. Better to be right. safe than sorry. <laughs> yeah. What I, what I did mention here is that some companies are adopting a sync and share tool as their backup method for their laptops. And I did mention in the, in the, um, in the chapter that, that that was a bad idea. Um, mm-hmm. If it's corporate data and I can basically, the problem with sync and share is if I delete it on my laptop, I delete it in the cloud. Um, yeah. if, if you've got a solution for that particular problem, a good solution to be able to restore that customer's account, that user's account and my laptop back to the way it looked before something happened, because now what we're talking about is things like ransomware. Right. Yeah. Sync and share is a great way to put ransomware in the cloud. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, encrypt all of the stuff on your on your desktop and then you're encrypt and then it's just going to synchronize it up up to the cloud. Um, now, here's a question I know we'll probably talk about it in the SaaS chapter, but for that sync and share solution, if they were taking copies of those, the data that existed in the cloud, backups of the data that existed in the cloud, would that change your mind? Um, if you could, 
Yeah, I, I think in general, in general, yes, right. Yeah. But in general, what I'm finding is that's not the point. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. No one's really that doing that. They're but, saying, yeah. they're saying, well, we're trying to save money, right? And so we're not going to back up laptops. We're just going to use OneDrive. Well, you're backing up OneDrive, right? Well, no, because it's Microsoft no. and it's a SaaS service. You're wrong. Yeah. You're just yep. plain wrong, right? Just Google the Microsoft uh, shared responsibility model, read the page, the information and data, your responsibility, not theirs. Yep. It's plain as day on their website. So stop telling me that you don't need to back up uh, OneDrive. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so to go back to your question though, if you're backing up, um, you know, the cloud that you're syncing to, to something else, then, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I would withdraw my objection. Um, okay. Well, I, I withdraw my objection. I just, it's maybe I might have a different objection, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's just how it's being implemented would be the question. Right, right. Um, would we get all the data? Obviously, there's a potential of data loss there, depending on how well the synchronization is happening. Because here's my problem with OneDrive, specifically OneDrive, is that there are no global controls over how synchronization works or if it works. So mm. there's no there's no console that says all of my users are synced. That's to me as a as a practitioner, that's terrifying, right? And so this goes back to your question. So it, you're still relying on the synchronization process of OneDrive, which for the record can be, de can be deactivated by any user I at any so. time. And not only can it be deactivated, and I've heard that you can deactivate that ability. <laughs> I've heard you can turn on up that ability, but they just have to like not connect to the internet. They could connect to the internet yeah. for a long time or not connect to 365, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the, the fact that there's no global view for me to see that everybody is syncing and then for me to notice, oh, Persona hasn't synced in a week. What's, what's, what's going on, Persona? And you're like, oh, yeah. well, my network card died. Oh, well, perhaps we should get you a new network Let's card. Let's fix that. Yeah. Yeah, my my home internet went out because I live in the Bay Area and we've been having power outage. <laughs> little 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 bit of a rain up there and down here as well. It was raining yeah. quite a bit this morning. Yeah. How's the yeah, weather right I think now? More than the rain was. It's nice and sunny, or it was sunny. Now it's overcast, but no rain until next week. But yeah, I think it was a fifty mile per hour gust yesterday that sort of did a lot of things. Or brought a lot of things down. So, speaking of the fifty mile per hour gust, uh, I believe that you solved our blueberry uh, mystery as well. Um, remember, I was saying that I had these blueberry things oh, yeah, yeah. all over my car, yeah, yeah. all over both cars and all over the driveway. Uh, we looked, and they're not actual blueberries, but they're blueberries. They're Berry. blueberries. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the neighbor, the neighbor house over has a tree with little blueberries in it. And so yeah. it must have been the gust, all the gusts that we had. They yeah. must have just been blown over and we just were the unfortunate recipients of all of those. <laughs> they just went everywhere. 
And it was like, what? At first we thought they were birds, <laughs> right? But it was like, man, did an entire flock of birds that ate berries <laughs> just fly over our house? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, Curtis. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again, Persona, for chatting about our favorite subject. Thank you for educating me on or enlightening me on bare metal restores. Hey. See, I know, learned something sometimes. Back in the yeah. day. Um, <laughs> yeah. We used to do, I used to do, do, do you remember zip drives? Yep. Yeah. So I used to do a bare metal backup of my Linux laptop. And we could do it with Windows too, uh, of, of the of an Intel based laptop uh, with a zip drive. Basically, you would you mm. would boot you would boot. You needed a floppy. <laughs> you needed yeah. a floppy. You would boot. You had a mini root that was on the floppy, like Tom's RGBT. You yeah. remember that one? Yeah. Um, yep. You would boot. You would put that on the floppy. You'd boot to that. The zip drive would have. You could read the zip drive. Uh, and you would actually use you DD. Would, you would use DD yep. to, to, which to was bring the data back. I don't know what DD yeah. stood for direct to disk. I don't know. Uh, it was a Unix command and you could do it. It basically was a block to block copy of the drive and you created a file on the zip drive. And that's how I used to do bare model on my laptops back in the day. Back uh, in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this rebroadcast of a classic episode from last year. I hope you have a great year. That's a wrap. The Backup Wrap-Up is written, recorded, and produced by me, W. Curtis Preston. If you need backup or DR consulting, content generation, or expert witness work, check out BackupCentral.com. You can also find links from my O'Reilly books on the same website. Remember, this is an independent podcast, and any opinions that you hear are those of the speaker and not necessarily an employer. Thanks for listening.